We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Sean Davis here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. In today's video, I'm so excited to do this. Uh, today's video or podcast, I'm going to do my best to try to break down and describe what the Lakers uh, schemes may be this upcoming season and what I would like to see the Lakers do. So it's going to be a mix of me predicting, plus also what I would like to see. Uh, we're heading into year two of Darvin Ham's uh, regime here the Lakers coming off a of Western Conference Finals appearance. Darvin Ham would give in a roster last season. It looked like a pretty all right coach. So it's going to be my job here in today's episode to try to break down what the schemes might be with the even better roster heading into year two. But before we get to all of that, a quick reminder, please do subscribe right here to Lakers Ace YouTube channel. Ring that post notification bell as well. We got a very busy next you know week or so here at Lakers Nation. Uh, we got media day at the time this recording today uh we have preseason basketball getting started saturday which is insane uh so excited to have lakers basketball back and you know the nba regular season kicks off in 22 days we'll have an announcement as well for uh the first preseason game rolling out this saturday so like i said man it's gonna be a Really, really fun week uh, here at Lakers Nation. You want to stay in the know with all that great content by subscribing and turning on those post notification bells as well. Let's get started with this Lakers offense. And I'm, I'm going to first try to describe the, the principles of this Lakers half-court offense. It is derived out of four-out, one-in spacing. And really kind of the, the big emphasis is it's a whole lot of driving kick motion. Uh, where the emphasis is on getting to the rim, getting paint touches, be able to kick out to opposite cornermen and slot men along the floor that can knock down threes, uh, be a connecting playmaker by swinging the ball one more, and you can basically just get touches at the rim. This offense is truly at its best when they can get a rim touch, and it makes sense, uh, not a rim touch, but a paint touch, because the best shot in basketball, I think in my eyes, I think the analytics back this up, and a lot of coaches agree with this as well. The best shot in basketball is a shot derived off of a paint touch, whether it's a layup, a dunk, whatever. A, a driving kick three is the most efficient three in basketball. Also, maybe more efficient than corner three. But any shot derived off of a paint touch is the most efficient shot in basketball or one of the most efficient shots in basketball. I don't know about a driving kick, one more, and you shoot a pull-up 23-and-a-half footer with your foot on the line. I don't know about that. But that is a big element of this Lakers offense, and that is why Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Dennis Schroeder, that, that's a big reason why those guys really, really succeeded because Austin and, and, and uh, Dennis Schroeder, last season at least, were so elite at being able to get to the rim and either create for themselves or their teammates. And then Rui has legitimately one of the best shot fakes in the NBA where he can – he's just so balanced, like physically balanced in, in terms of his body movement. So it's not a waste in uh, motion with Rui Hachimura where – he could get you with a shot fake, get to that mid-range pull-up. He could get you with a shot fake, get all the way to the rim and has enough athletic burst 
to finish. Now you add some lateral quickness, projected lateral quickness to that with Ruri looking a little bit leaner this offseason, and that's going to be kind of scary. So I'm super, super excited. And that is the Lakers half-court just like principle. At its core, Lakers are going to get drive and kick motion uh, out of four-out one, and it could be blended five-out. We didn't see the blended five-out a ton last season. And I, I say blended five-out where like the big is going to play in the dunker spot. Slash short corner. So I'm going to pull up on the YouTube end my uh, my screen here. Uh, and I'm just going to, you know, try to explain this the best I can. But all it is truly is what I mean by Blade of Five Hours, where the big essentially just kind of gets to roam along this dunker spot. In between the dunker spot, the short corner, and then if they would like to even uh, extend out to the three-point line not sure why my uh thing won't uh, stretch out but they can stretch out between the dunker spot short corner uh the three-point line and that was a big emphasis on what they tried to accomplish in milwaukee was being able to do this where brooke lopez kind of just based on the play could move around wherever he wanted right and that was so important and a big part of what made the Mike Boonholzer Bucks offenses at times really, really good, right? And now you add Christian Wood to the fold, and you got some fun offenses that I'm really, really excited to talk about. So first thing that I really want to see is the Lakers get to more delay action this year. The problem last year with going delay action is, and now I'm going to pull up my screen and it's going to work this time. So last year, when you would go delay action, delay action or open is a modern NBA five out term or terminology. Like I said, it's also referred to as open, depending on who you talk to. Like my, the, the Denver Nuggets and Michael Malone have a call open, uh, which is just delay. The Pelicans have a specific set play, which is open special, which is delay. And then like some type of action, I have to, have to go look at the play to be able to tell you what they run off that action. All it is, it's just NBA five out with the big at the top of the key, typically with the ball or after off of like a reversal pass or something like that. And it you can go into a ton of different options, right? So on my screen, if you're looking on the YouTube uh, channel, you'll be able to see like some of the stuff that you could run out of this, but I'm going to describe it as well here for the podcast listeners. You can run like just delay Chicago action, which is just a pin down into a dribble handoff, which you can get to a ton of different creative versions out of this as well. The uh, Sacramento Kings specifically would run delay Chicago. So the big has the ball at, at the five man. It's likely some bonus he has at the top. Uh, you set a dribble, uh, a pin down screen, excuse me, to the corner man. He dribbles it towards the guy getting the, the dribble handoff, or excuse me, he dribbles it towards the guy receiving depending on initiating the uh, Chicago action. And then the opposite wingman, 45 cuts into the lane as the five man's rolling and as the guard or the ball handler, rather, coming off the screen and handoff is also driving to the basket. We saw the Lakers use 45 cuts and stampede cuts really, really effectively in the first round against Memphis to counter opposite nail help from the wing. Uh, that was Memphis's whole defensive game plan to stop LeBron James pick and rolls or just ball screen in general would be to have the opposite wingman help at the nail, plug the gap, and just an opposite 45 cut or a stampede cut really helps kind of take away some of the nail help nicely. Or you could just get consistent backdoor layups. But another option, and this is a very, very popular if you look at the Golden State Warriors wrinkle of it is, especially at Draymond Green, where you can go into a flare screen instead of a, uh, a pin down or a down screen, which would be Chicago action. You can just go a flare screen and the wing, he flares down to the corner. You can go a couple of different variations. You could go flare screen into a dribble handoff with the initial screener. 
And then again, you can kind of still get into that, uh, the handoff, and then you can get into 45 action or stampede cut out of that. Or what almost always happens if you try to start, you know, switching this flare screen, since your defender is sealed, the back door is open nine times out of 10. This is where the Golden State Warriors really kill their opponents. Where they try to set this flare screen, you try to switch it, slip back door money. Um, and now this year, with Christian Wood being the a potential five man, and this not being Anthony Davis, because last season, I'm gonna uh, go back to this screen where you guys can see if you're looking at the YouTube video, with Anthony Davis at the five, right? Teams are not worried about an Anthony Davis three-point opportunity right so what that does is just adds in another defender that's packed in a little bit more i'm probably guarding anthony davis at the nail and if he takes a step in then you get a close out but now it's the paint is super packed in so if you want to go drip a uh, pin down or delay chicago action with lebron in the corner and lebron receiving the pin down and going into the 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 ball screen action it's not not ball screen action but chicago action the floor is so congested for lebron to get any driving space to where you almost have to run the sacramento kings version where you work it around after you get the handoff 45 cuts it's the only way you can get any real scoring off of this i wish i had the data right in front of me but the lakers are really really bad uh scoring on off the delay series last season but this season, with potential delay action with Christian Wood at the top, so now let's make this Christian Wood, right? Now let's make like LeBron in the corner. Let's 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 run a random lineup. Let's go, let's go D'Angelo Russell. Let's go D'Lo, LeBron, Rui, Christian Wood, Austin Reeves. I don't know, right? Now the five minutes to guard a lot closer which it just makes the floor a lot more properly spaced, right? So that when you do, let me add LeBron's defender back onto the play here. That way, when you do get to the, where you get to the delay Chicago action and now Austin Reeves, he's going to go set a pin down for LeBron he said it's a pin out for LeBron. And now when LeBron's coming off, I don't know why that's not working. But when LeBron decides to come off, the floor is a lot more properly spaced. LeBron comes off this handoff. Christian Wood gives it to LeBron. Christian Wood's going to roll. And Rui's in the corner. You can't tag on the roller. You can't help off D'Lo. You can't help off Austin. The Lakers have a lot better have a lot more competent floor spacing this year. And last year, I'm more likely to help off of a shooter to make sure Anthony Davis has to get a wide open paint touch. Uh, even if it's Rui, because it's Anthony Davis. And also, AD is going to get a lot more bodies thrown at him because I'm not worried about his shooting threat. But Christian Wood, and this is where Christian Wood's going to help out a ton in this Lakers offense next season. Christian Wood is legitimately a elite floor spacer for his size, where the past few years, he's provided spectacular floor spacing ability. Last season for the Dallas Mavericks, Christian Wood shot 40.7% on catch-and-shoot threes, 43.9% on open or unguarded catch-and-shoot threes, roughly 37% on guarded or contested catch-and-shoot threes, and 38% roughly on the season in total, right? He's a good finisher. He's a good enough finisher. 65.2% at the rim, right? He graded out super, super well in terms of pick and roll, roll man possession. So that's really going to open up nicely for the Lakers half-court offense next season where Christian Wood last season, when he had 84 possessions, scoring possessions, where he was the roller last season. Right, he had 84 possessions, square possessions, square possessions per synergy are highlighted as uh 
uh, score, shot attempt, foul, turnover, shot attempt, foul, turnover. And I'm forgetting the, uh, there's one more category that for some reason is just slipping me right now. Uh, that, that's what it's made shot, miss shot. I just said shot attempts in general. There we go. Um, and in those 84 attempts where he picked and popped, he scored a 1.238 points per possession. On the 83 attempts where he rolled to the basket, he scored on a 1.663 points per possession. Guys, that's really freaking good. And in terms of, I wish I had the percentile data, but essentially Christian Will was one of the best screen like finishers in the NBA last season in terms of I can pick it pop, I can roll, I can even kind of hit that secondary pass, which, like I mentioned, is so critical in this Lakers half-court drive-and-kick motion offense to where you try to help off a, a corner shooter to tag on my role. I'm capable enough to kick that pass out corner to Rui Hachimura in the corner. He can knock down that three. He's a capable uh, playmaker, secondary playmaker, like I said, on potential like tag on the rolls. I just have to make a simple pass. He has that capability uh, right to the 99th percentile. Like I said, in terms of total role man impact per 75 possessions. Last season, we saw possibly the best year of Christian Wood's career in terms of his post play. In terms of post up impact per 75 possessions, he had a career year. His frequency was at its high, uh, one of his highest too, uh, in terms of 13% uh, last season. So Christian Wood, I think it's going to be really, really great. For this Lakers offense and another way that he's all he's going to improve what was already a great staple of this Lakers half court offense is their double drag series which I'm also super super uh, excited to see next season because last season the Lakers they they loved their double drag stuff right they did the problem was at the start of the season they loved it to a fault where they had Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder. Lonnie Walker is playing a ton of minutes. And one of the most important keys of uh, being able to successfully run double drag is your primary ball handler in this play needs to be a, a shooting threat, right? If your primary ball handler is Russell Westbrook or Dennis Schroeder, which is why when the Lakers couldn't, uh, sorry, when the Lakers ran their double drag stuff with Dennis or with Russ, I want to say the Lakers scored on their double drag stuff at uh, 0.9 point per possession, maybe even less. But with D'Angelo Russell, it was like 1.1 in the 1.1s, maybe a little bit higher, right? Because you got an elite three-point shooter and in D'Angelo Russell, especially off the dribble. And like I said, I think there's a case to be made that D'Lo kind of dropped the ball uh, in terms of his efficiency if you will, for the Lakers on pull-up threes. Because for the Memphis, uh, excuse me, for the Minnesota Timberwolves, he shot 38.3% on pull-up threes. Whereas if you look at the Lakers, I'm fact-checking this data right now so I don't misspeak. But for the Lakers, in the regular season, I want to say D'Angelo Russell only shot 35, maybe even 34% on pull-up threes. I know when you count... For the playoffs as well, that number definitely drops. 35% on pull-up threes for D'Angelo Russell in the regular season. If you account for both the regular season and the playoffs, he only shot 32% on pull-up threes for the Lakers, right? But for the most part, you got a great three-point shooter, right? And the Lakers might be able to, like, unlock their double drag series a little bit more by running their double drag stuff with both Anthony Davis and Christian Wood in the same set. So let's say we got this double drag and double drag action or 77 action is a lot is a more popular term. Uh, you'll see a lot. It seems like the Warriors, the Suns or Chris Paul, they called their 77. If I, if I recall, Golden State calls theirs 55, I believe. Um, I, I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I, I'm sorry for misspeaking, but I am fairly positive that's correct. But if you are able to run double drag, which is just typically ball handler on the wing, and you have two screeners kind of lined up right 
behind each other, and they set a screen for your ball handler to come off. And you guys can really see this picture great on the YouTube channel in the video where let's say it's Anthony Davis and Christian want to, you know, send the screen together, right? You have Anthony Davis. He comes to set the first screen and Anthony Davis is going to roll, right? And you're going to have Christian Wood set this second screen and Anthony Davis is going to roll. Anthony Davis is going to roll to the basket. Christian Wood's going to pop out. I'm going to change this color Make this uh, like a purple and gold colors. Make this like a, a yellow color here. D'Angelo Russell. I might actually prefer this to be used with Austin Reeves, but I digress, right? Christian Wood pops out, and this just causes so much havoc and confusion because now the first screener is a legitimate lob threat, one of the best play finishers in the NBA, and Anthony Davis, who has good connection and chemistry with D'Angelo Russell on these ball screens. And then your second screener, is Christian Wood, right? Who is, like I said, a guy that the data, I think it was, what, 1.2 points per possession up pick and pop scoring possessions last year? Like, what? How do you guard this? Or better yet, make this LeBron James one of still the most creative and best decision makers with the ball in his hands still in the NBA right now. Make the on-ball do LeBron James with D'Lo in the corners of floor spacer or something like that. This can get nasty, right? And there's a couple of variations of this, too, that the Lakers can really, really, really get get just filthy with uh, offensively. And I've new gone to, like, Torian Prince, who I, I think he's going to kind of help unlock some of this Lakers offense as well. But if you wanted to go with some even more just creative action for this Lakers half-court offense, you can run – a again out of double drag you can run a another kind of example of this and to my knowledge we did not see this version of it last season but you can run double drag shallow and all double drag shallow is is another popular version of this kind of basic concept where we've seen teams like the golden state warriors uh the Sacramento Kings have ran this. The Memphis Grizzlies ran this in the playoffs last season. And it was one of the sets that we said, hey, you got to keep an eye out for uh, when guarding the Grizzlies. But like I said, simple, uh, simple setup, right? Double drag, double drag setup where we're just going to put our two and our three in the corner, space them out. This We're going to have Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis actually has to be the first screener this time. Again, like the last play. And then Christian Wood's going to be the second screener. And you want to create even more confusion and just utter chaos, right? And this is something that I have a as an assistant on my bag full of out-of-timeout tricks. And we run some double drag stuff. And this is in there because we have a big that can shoot and some other stuff. But this is filthy, right? So if Anthony Davis sets the first ball screen, right? Envision it this way. And remember, keep in mind, that, like I said, Christian Wood is a dude that scores on uh, that scores on pick and pops at a 1.23 points per possession, give or take, right? As, as D'Angelo Russell is coming off this initial first drag ball screen, Christian Wood isn't going to set it. Christian Wood is just going to ghost out. He's going to get out of the way as, as D'Angelo Russell is coming off this screen, as Anthony Davis is rolling to the basket. And this just creates havoc. For a defense, it changes communi the communication and confuses, hey, are we switching? Especially if facing a switching team. Oh, my God. Uh, are we switching this ball screen? It's a lot, kind of a lot harder to play drop and make sure your tags on the roll are precise. And if this second dude is a legit pick-and-pop threat, that guy's going to be open. If that guy's not open, the lob's going to be open. And I'm going to pull up an example that I clipped out. Not I clipped out, but I, I charted that the Memphis Grizzlies ran last season, if I can find it. So, and excuse the, like, messiness, but I'm going to take off some of this stuff. <laughs> this is nasty, right? So, again, double drag setup. So, for the Grizzlies, that is, right? I had Joss set. Joss would get the ball screen. Xavier Tillman sets the screen as Jaw comes off. 
Xavier Tillman's rolling. So picture this as, like I said, Anthony Davis rolling to the basket, J- LeBron or D'Angelo or uh, Austin Reeves just coming off this ball screen. And then, oh crap, Austin Reeves gets out of there, shallow cuts. Uh, Christian Wood gets out of there. And then a uh, very great wrinkle by the Grizzlies to really like make sure they eliminate the tag man. They would have a, an exit screen ball side as the ball handler's dribbling over there. So dribbling over towards that same side, it's an exit screen. Try my best to explain this for the podcast viewers, our listeners. And Christian Wood can enable all this stuff to happen because you have a legitimate pick and pop threat. And that is going to be super, super scary. This is going to be the best pick and pop guy LeBron has had since Kevin Love. And we know how dynamic they were able to get Kevin Love and LeBron, like their two-man game that we saw in Cleveland, how that, how good that was able to be. And Christian Wood is, is going to be great here as well. One element that I am also excited about that I'm not going to spend as much time talking about for the purposes of this not going on for a gazillion hours is Torian Prince. And Torian Prince adds a nice wrinkle to this offense because Torian Prince, if you can get what the Lakers really wanted out of Malik Beasley last year, which is to be that off-screen shooter. And Torian Prince is definitely, he's definitely probably more of just a spot-up catch-and-shoot guy, right? I think that's probably where he's at his best, right? You look at last season for Torian Prince, he shot 100, he took 243s, regular season and postseason. Uh, hold on, let me, uh, there we go. 227 threes, regular season and postseason. He shot uh 188 catch and shoot threes or actually let me make this even better because that can also include spot up he shot on i mean i'm sorry that could also include off screen stuff he shot 112 catch and shoot spot up threes not off screen not anything he shot those threes at a 42.9 percent clip on 112 attempts right he on 28 attempts, he went 12 for 28. Also, ironically, uh, 42.9%. That's where Sanji did with that. Anyway, right? So with Torian Prince, and by the way, the Minnesota ran this nasty delay set in the playoffs involving Torian Prince, where it's delay Chicago. As I get it, the guy that sets the pin down for for uh, the guy getting it for the Chicago action, the guy that sets it, he runs through and it kind of run, flows into floppy action somehow along the baseline and Torian Prince would come off that floppy action and it, it hit a three. And just having that other guy on this roster that can knock down off-screen threes, I think it's also going to be super, super important for this Lakers offense this season. Because I look at this team and I'm like, who really is there? That can be an off-screen threat. I don't view Austin Reeves as an off-screen option personally. I don't think the Lakers truly do either. He only got 27 attempts last season or 27 scoring possessions out of their off-screen series. And it's a reason why he only got 27%. I mean, 27 scoring possessions because he was bad at it. He scored at a 0.519 points per possession, which is dead last or in the third percentile, generally when you're the third percentile, it's dead last. I'm going to fact check that. And okay, my bad. It's Austin Reeves, Tobias Harris, weirdly. Um, Matt Ryan, super weirdly. Rudy Gay, Bobby Portis, Eric Gordon with the Clippers, and Trey Lyle. So yeah, he's in the bottom five dudes in the NBA in terms of off-screen points per possession last season. If you want to go back to the year before that, he only got 12 possessions on off screens uh, for Frank Vogel's Lakers. And even then, he shot two for seven from three on said off screen possessions. So, you don't, that's not really Austin Reeves. Max Christie is a bit tough. I don't think they utilized him in that fast. I can fact check that, but I don't recall them really utilizing Max in that way. And I just don't think it makes the most sense. Yeah, they didn't use him that way. Gabe Vincent isn't really an off-screen dude. Um, Cam Reddish isn't 
you know, typically known for his off-screen stuff. Ruri isn't an off-screen guy. Yeah, Gabe wasn't that great, 0.857. But Torian Prince could be that guy. Torian Prince, like I said, shot over 41% on his off-screen threes last season. Uh, And if you can get just that guy that can come in and do that for you, that was his third highest frequency in terms of his play type data. He ranked in the 64th percentile in terms of points per possession off of off-screen stuff. And he ranked in the uh, 87th percentile, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah, 87th percentile in terms of usage on off-screen stuff. There's only 30 players who got more of their you know possessions based off of off-screen stuff. And I'm going to filter this out even more so we can kind of you know, built this down. So out of 65 players in the NBA, they got at least 50 off-screen possessions last year. Torian Prince is 16th in the NBA in terms of frequency, in terms of possessions per game, stuff like that. Um, Desmond Bain, 11% of his scoring possessions. Steph Curry, 11.7. Duncan Robinson, 12.3. Michael Porter Jr., also 12.3. Max Strews, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Sam Hauser, Ochai Baji. Doug McDermott, Laurie Markkinen, A.J. Griffin, Boyan, and Malik Beasley wins with the Jazz and Klay Thompson. So even if it's just one or two possessions a game, this also is going to be pivotal for the Lakers' offense because the Lakers love their double-drag Oklahoma set. Where will And I'm going to kind of walk you through this here. So again, a lot of the Lakers' offenses, when they go to their sets or their series, is derived out of the double-drag series where you'll typically have your off-screen shooter. So last year, this was from like Beasley. You have your off-screen shooter. You probably want like a rim-pressuring big, so like Anthony Davis right here, and then two other players facing the floor out, right? The first screener has to be the shooter. And all Oklahoma action is, it's just indicating there's a re-screen for the first player that's more than likely a shooter, right? So double drag across the floor. I'm coming off. And then the two man, he's going to kind of walk his man in a little bit. And then the five, he's going to go re-screen for the two. And I'm going to change this color so we don't get confused for the for the visual audience. And I'm going to come off and I'm going to hit this pass to Torian Prince, right? So if the Lakers run this set twice a game, for Torian Prince, right? The fact that we can get this action to work and then eventually you can get the slip off of this action if you try to overplay it, things like that. I'm also super, super excited and super, super intrigued by Torian Prince's fit in this Lakers half-court offense. But uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. It's I'm really, really excited to see this Lakers offense. I'm excited to see how Gabe Vince is going to fit into this offense especially if we get more of this free-flowing five-out potential look uh, with Christian Wood or even Anthony Davis at the top where you can go more delay stuff. The rumor out of LeBron's minicamp is that Anthony Davis's jumper looks incredible. I hope that also includes his three-point shot um, because that would be ideal, and it really just gives you another weapon offensively. And I can't wait to watch it take take bold and like i said preseason starts saturday nba regular season kicks off in 22 nights from now at the time of this recording so it's gonna be really really fun but what's also really really fun is our sponsor for today's episode and that is game time you never want to be that person that's just stressing out about trying to find tickets trying to find them last minute hunting down the best price and competing with our buyers for popular games or whatever and like I said, buying tickets should never be stressful at all. So game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the for, for the fun you'll have. I'm currently trying to find some tickets for this Bengals-Seahawks game, and instead of trying to find them you know, and, and stress out about them, I can get my tickets as quickly as possible. I can see where I'm going to be sitting at. So if I wanted to get, I'm going to try to show you guys here on the YouTube channel. If I can, if I want to get 
these seats here at the top of the stadium. Game time will tell me exactly how much they cost. Game time will show me where I'm seating at. And the best thing about it is game time with their 100% money back guarantee. They will credit you 100%, 110% if you find tickets in the same section and row for less with another ticketing provider. It's awesome. Uh, game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning, uh, planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The game time guarantee, like I mentioned, means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app today. Create an account. Use code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LakersNation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Price guaranteed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Man, that, uh, that Bengals Seahawks game. I don't know if I want to go in now when I think about it. Ah, uh, man, Joe Burrow's been really, really bad. But uh, see, okay, like better one. FC Cincinnati soccer team's going crazy right now. Look at this. I don't know if it's, you guys can see this really well. Great tickets. Like, oh, man, like what? $35 for. Seats at the bowl, like at the bottom where I get right behind the right behind the goal. Oh my gosh. Like you can't beat these tickets. Shout out to game time. All right. Let's talk about this Lakers defense and get out of here. So one of my biggest pet peeves with this Lakers coaching staff last season was they they knew what they were good at, right? And I, I can't fault them there. Right, like they were an elite drop coverage team with the best rim protector in the NBA and Anthony Davis. You don't believe me, Anthony Davis opposing players shot 16% worse at the rim when Anthony Davis was the primary rim protector in the playoffs. That's the best rim protector in the NBA. If you don't believe me, there you go. Um, and they they knew what they were good at, but there were certain points throughout the playoffs and throughout the season where you're like yeah, like the, the Lakers, they don't have a counterpunch where if you beat drop, they can't really switch consistently because the personnel, they don't have the, they definitely don't have the personnel to hedge or blitz. So 
that makes it even more egregious why they thought it was a good idea to, to hedge Steph Curry ball screens in game two of the Western Conference semifinals, which first off is something you, you never, ever do. But the Lakers said, hmm, that's a great idea. One, we're bad at it. Two, you just don't do that against Steph and the Warriors. So great job. And like there, there was just a, a limit, a limitation on what the Lakers could do defensively in terms of their ball screen coverage. And why I'm focusing a lot on that is because that is what the NBA is now. The NBA now is a heavy ball screen generated offense where literally the team that's in dead last in terms of pick and roll possessions, including pass outs. Uh, let me see. Can I like make this only? I'm going to try to filter this out to where it's only the regular season. Only the regular season. The team dead last had still 28 possessions a game where they were running some type of ball screen offense, which is which was a, a fourth of their offense in general. And it was the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors who also like to get out and run a ton, right? So it's transition and it's ball screens, essentially. And then you got teams like the Chicago Bulls, the Atlanta Hawks, the Phoenix Suns, who are all in the upper echelons where they're running ball screens. 40 plus times the game. And if you just want to go pick and roll ball handler scoring possessions, the Atlanta Hawks, 24 and a half possessions a game scored off of the ball hand or scoring possessions where the ball handlers having a made shot, miss shot, foul or turnover. And then let's stick with the Atlanta Hawks. An additional seven roughly possessions a game where they're scoring off of Macha miss shot foul turnover off of the roller, whether it's a pick and pop, pick and roll, etc. Right. So think about it that way, right? A, t- a team in the NBA is probably going to only have what in the half court. Let, let, let's see. Actually, let's see how many possessions the Hawks. Let, let's stick with the Hawks. How many possessions, scoring possessions, did the Hawks have a transition? They average around nineteen. Okay, so you're going to have 80 half-court scoring possessions a game. Uh, Maybe that's still too high. So let's just drop that down like 60, maybe 65, right? (laughs) Okay, that means half of your offense is generated off a ball screen. So ball screen defense, then probably isolation defense, is in the half-court the most important thing in the NBA right now. Unless you're guarding the Golden State Warriors, who, like I said, are like the Sacramento Kings, maybe the Miami Heat, who are more system-based, maybe the Spurs even at this point. But, like, unless you're guarding one of those four teams that have actual systems or, like, the Warriors, a lot of cutting, a lot of uh, uh, points off of off-screens, and really the only reason why they run pick-and-roll is because they have Steph Curry. Um, or you're guarding, like, the Kings who are going to run fast, they're going to play out in transition. They're going to get into to kind of some of their Princeton-y type concepts where it's a lot of elbow split cut actions, and they're going to play off of that a ton. Um, or some of their delay act five-out stuff where you have to guard an actual system, and it's not just one action. It's an action kind of built off another action, which sets up another action. Unless you're guarding one of those three or four teams, you're you're guarding basically a ball screen 30 times a game in isolation 10 times a game, right? Because sticking with the Atlanta Hawks for a second to kind of further illustrate my point, you go isolation scoring possessions a game. That's an additional eight and a half. Let's round up just to keep the math simple, nine possessions a game. So 41, if my math is correct, 41 possessions a game. I'm either guarding a ball screen or I'm gu- scoring possession. So again, made shot, made shot, foul turnover. I'm guarding a ball screen or I'm guarding an isolation. So that's why this is so important here for the Lakers. So why I'm only really focusing on that. When I get to the Nuggets, I'll kind of talk about some of their post-up stuff. But when you're talking about this Lakers ball screen attack, I think they got more versatile. And I think... Uh, ball screen defensive attack, excuse me. They got more versatile. They got more switchy. They are still able to like keep this ground level foundation of, okay, we can fall back on just being the best drop coverage team in the NBA. 
where we're going to squeeze everything in. We're going to lock control over the top, meaning I'm going to force you to use this ball screen. And Anthony Davis, depending on the matchup, we could play a high drop where we're really trying to force a super long two or a, a contested three with, like I said, the one of the best protectors or best defenders in the NBA and Anthony Davis. Or we could play a low drop where we're going to force you to shoot a ton of floaters. We get a variance with our drop. Um, we can switch, right? And I think that's super, super important. So when you look at this Lakers defense now this season, and I'll just touch on the, the the versatility, you're able to get a lot more switchy now, which I think is super, you know, advantageous for a guy like Jared Vanderbilt because Jared Vanderbilt, my biggest knock on Vando has always been his screen navigation. And now for Jared Vanderbilt, where if you don't have to focus on screen navigating as much and we can just switch everything or we can hedge, which I am kind of excited about some of the possibilities of the Lakers hedging next season. And that can really, really work with Jared Vanderbilt. It can really, really work with Christian Wood, especially the hedging part. I don't know about the switching, but um, it, it's, it can really be great for, for those guys. And Anthony Davis is the best defender on the planet. And he can do, just about anything on the defensive side of the floor. LeBron at this stage of his career where he gets to be a free safety, I think it's pretty advantageous. Gabe Vincent, I think, is going to be a lot better in this role where he doesn't have to worry about guarding. I'm sorry, where he doesn't have to worry about uh, having to navigate a gazillion screens. He gets to just switch, be physical, you know, play within your defensive principles. He was used as a point of attack guy last season. If you look at some of his perimeter defensive metrics, he grades out better as an on-ball perimeter defender, which makes some sense, where he is pretty active in the passing lanes. He can get a, get some steals. He had 1.3 steals per 75 possessions, 2.8 deflections per 75 possessions, ranking in the 77th percentile in that category. If you want to go back to the prior year, the year they went to the uh, Easter Conference Finals but lost, Gabe Vincent defensively, he ranked uh, slightly better that year in terms of screen navigation, but the deflections and the steals went up. He had 1.48 steals per 75 and 2.96 deflections per 75. Um, but now you're allowing him to be this switchy, just kind of tough dude where there were possessions, not consistently, but there were possessions in that finals where the heat kind of switch everything defense would ultimately have him on Jokic. And there were a few possessions where he's guarding Jokic at the nail, which is the middle of the free throw line. And he's just super, super tough, competitive, pushing Jokic out a little bit further, making it as uncomfortable as possible. And, as a coach, that's what you want from your guards. Like, you don't ever, personally at least, like, I don't ever want to concede a switch, right? Especially if it's not within the scheme. But if I got a switch and it's a guard on a big, especially that's definitely one where I don't really want to concede a switch. Okay, fit super, super physical. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be swiping at the ball. And he made Jokic have to work a little bit more than he probably would have had to with some of the other smaller guards who have just died on the play and gave up a free basket to Jokic, right? Uh, so you have the competitiveness from him. You have Torian Prince who adds some more size on the play where he's active and engaged or even him used as a helper, which is where he was used uh, last season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm sorry, the year prior. He was used as a chaser last season for the Timberwolves where defensively he graded out all right in terms of uh, on-ball perimeter defense. But where he helps is, like I said, at the rim, where for a, a wing who is, I want to say, yeah, he's 6'6", 218. Torian Prince, opposing players shoot 2% worse at the rim than expected, for which for him is great, right? I mean, he saved 0.16 rim points per 75 possessions, which is in the 84 percentile for his archetype, 
right? And if you go back the year prior, which, like I said, I do believe is the year he was used more as a helper for the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves defense. He graded out a little bit better as an on-ball defender. He had 1.41 steals per 75 possessions. And uh, the rim protection wasn't as good, right? But I think last season we saw what, what Torian Prince could add to the table for this Lakers half-court defense. And then now you have Jared Vanderbilt. You have Max Christie, who last season for the Lakers, I mean, that that Atlanta Hawks game in L.A. just sits right in my mind where Max Christie, who's 6'5", with a six eight and a half wingspan, if I can recall correctly, uh, six eight points of okay, so I was pretty close. Uh, he uses his wingspan super super nicely on these smaller guards and like ones and twos to where he he's super super good at navigating these screens on and off ball. It's a reason why I loved Max Christie coming out of the draft is. Because what Max does, he has a great trait of being able to navigate screens and to recover from behind and still have an impact on the shot. That is an elite skill for Max Christie. And it's super, super fun to watch and be able to impact the play from behind and not die on the play where I think so many young guards kind of have this bad tendency to do so and max christie doesn't and i think he's a good perimeter isolation defender as well he added some of that contact balance some of that play strength that you need to be an elite defender uh during the summer i think you saw a a decent dose of it during the summer league uh where he's able to you're not bumping max christie off his spots anymore on either end of the floor he's competitive as heck Finishing at the rim, that's more offensive base, but defensively, right? I think he's going to do a lot better against some of those bigger guards this season. Um, Braun had a really good, like, turn the clock back defensive performance where LeBron was elite as a weak side. And I'm using elite, like, I don't use that word a ton, but LeBron was like borderline elite defensively in terms of just his ability to rotate weak side towards the rim to where you kind of forgot about LeBron not being super good offensively in the playoffs, right? Because LeBron was that good defensively at the rim. This is per synergy at the rim opposing play uh, opposing teams and players shot 31. And this, this is crazy. I haven't looked at the stat before. Team shot 31.6% at the rim on LeBron James. Now, how Sergi kind of breaks this down is a little bit weird at times. It could be a little finicky. But regardless, that stat is absurd for a man that's entering year 21. I'm not nearly anticipating that to continue next season. But what I am saying is that LeBron James, at this stage of his career, still has that ability to kick it up a notch we saw for almost the entire playoffs, there, there were you know, moments, I thought, if I recall correctly, game two against Golden State was bad. That Denver series was a little bit bad in general, but it was for everybody uh, nonetheless. But LeBron can turn it up defensively, and I think he also is going to be able to help tap into this versatility along with Christian Wood, who, like I said, team shot. worse at the rim than expected with Christian Wood as the primary rim protector last season. LeBron team shot also roughly 6% at the rim than expected. 6% worse at the rim than expected. Uh, If you look at defensive LeBron, which is a metric to value that that values how impactful you are on either end of the floor uh, with like zero being a positive, right? And like, it goes up from there, right? LeBron was a positive last season on the defensive end of the floor. He was. Um, and I think you look at the playoffs especially, that's where you see it at the most. But let's dive into why I think the versatility here can really, really work. And especially if you get into like a two-big lineup of Christian Wood and Anthony Davis. But we're going to keep 
LeBron James on the floor, right? We're going to keep LeBron James on the floor. Okay, so we're, we're going to have regular four out one in spacing. Regular four out one in spacing. Let's lift these wings up in the corner just a smidge. Just a smidge. All right. So uh, let's throw out this random lineup on the floor. Let's go Anthony Davis. He's going to be, for the purposes of this exercise, X. Uh, he's going to be X4. He's going to be X4. And we're going to have Christian would be X5. Okay. So this could be AD. This could be Christian Wood. We're going to have X3 be LeBron. And we're going to have uh, who we want our two guards to be. Let's do Christian. Let's do Gabe Vincent. Let's do Austin Reeves. Right. So Gabe Vincent and Austin Reeves. Right. First off, one thing that I mentioned that's not a great strength of Gabe Vincent is ball screen navigation. He's fine at it, right? But he's not Dennis Schroeder. I'd argue Austin's probably a better screen navigator than Gabe Vincent, okay? So this general ball screen, and all hedging is, really, is when this ball screen happens, or we're going to space this two man out just a little bit more. All this is, right, is we're going to have Christian Wood is going to go flat out to where his top, where his foot is parallel like side to side side on the sideline with the opposite sideline right where he's going straight out i'm forcing you to, to go towards the sideline i'm not trying to get downhill right and that was the difference where people in the conference finals were saying anthony davis was was hedging still like in certain games that a warrior series where like i said the only time the lakers really hedged the warriors was game two because after game two it was just a high drop where Anthony Davis is still retreating backwards. A hedge is where I'm just going side to side, arms out wide, but I'm not retreating backwards. I'm just going side to side to keep you at the level, right? So, and like I said, the Anthony Davis high drop stuff was more just at the level, high drop for that series, especially after game two. So with Christian Wood, Christian Wood's hedging. He's hedging this ball screen. And now Gabe Vincent, he's at the level anyway. Because a lot of times the way teams like to, you know, play off or to counter this hedging, if you will, is they're just going to short roll this. They're going to short roll with the big, typically towards like the elbow or like anywhere towards the elbow, right? Where it's just a simple pocket pass for the point guard. So now Chris Gabe Vincent doesn't worry about have to worry about as much getting through a screen, and therefore he's still able to stay with the ball handler. Okay. So, like I said, the easiest pass on the floor for the ball handler is a pocket pass, right? Because the next pass away, it is imperative. And ladies and gentlemen, that's watching on the on the YouTube channel and listening in general, it is imperative that the next pass away is I'm driving off opposite from where the initial ball screen was occurred, so the opposite wing, that pass has to be taken away. You cannot allow this. So for this play, Austin Reeves, I don't care if you're face guarding, whatever, this pass cannot happen, right? So what I'm just, it looks like he's setting a screen, but for the exercise, I'm just trying to indicate that he's like not allowing him to get the ball. So a lot of times what's going to happen is he's going to backdoor, right? He's going to backdoor. Austin Reeves clears out, right? Austin Reeves clears out with them. Over, okay? So, as I'm now, as the point guard is driving further and further away, right, which is what you want, right? And, to, and a lot of times, there's like a call, right? So, for example, where at the college team I worked for a few years ago, we had a call, right? Because we hedged. We hedged a ton that year, right? We had a call where a certain color, I don't know, this is just how the call went. A certain color meant you're, uh, it's a two-step and retreat out, right? Certain call is like, I'm going to keep going until you pick the ball up, right? Certain call is just one step, get out, right? And that's where you get like a soft hedge, hard hedge, et cetera, right? And some other stuff, right? But as I'm getting further and further away from the ball, 
Now, this pass is short. Rolls a lot tougher. And even if you can make this pass, Anthony Davis is right there to take it away and protect the rim, or Anthony Davis is the best rim protector in the NBA, right? And honestly, Anthony Davis is probably going to cheat towards this five-man who's the short roll because there's like a handful of guards in the NBA that I trust going left because that's where I have the screen taking place. It's a, it's a screen on the right-hand side. I'm going left, right? It's not a lot of people that can make this pass going left with a 6'10 Christian Wood in my face with another on-ball defender pressuring the heck out of the ball that can make this skip pass with the left hand across their body, like off the top of my head consistently, that can make this pass with accuracy. Trey Young, Luka Dantich, Tyrese Halliburton, LeBron, even that's super tough. Uh... Chris Paul, probably. John Morant, probably. I mean, I'm going to scroll down. Maybe I'm forgetting a guy. Uh, no, that's about it, right? Maybe maybe Darius Garland, right? Maybe that's the only other guard that I feel like I might be missing, right? But the point is, right, for 22 of the other 29 NBA teams, this is going to work, right? And And a lot of times, even with those seven guards, it's not going to be with the precision, the snap on the ball, and the timing that's going to take to where if you have to skip this across your body with your left hand, which a lot of NBA players are not left-handed, so it's your weaker hand, skip this across, across my body, 6'11", 7-foot Anthony Davis with crazy reach and just like legs, it's going to get over them. That's a steal, right? Even Christian Wood as a weak side rim protector, I'm kind of optimistic about as well. Right, I am super excited and super optimistic about maybe seeing the Lakers hedge a little bit more. If you switch it, if you switch everything, like you face the Phoenix Suns, you decide to switch everything. Yes, please. I think that's the way you, with this Lakers team, you beat the Suns because, like Vando, you try to set a ball screen with KD and Devin Booker, or I don't know what. Right, Vando. Okay, cool. You're just gonna go from player to player. Right, go player to player. And that's how you get the job done there. I'm going to answer a couple of questions from the YouTube. I'm sorry, from my Twitter page uh, to make sure I, I went through everything. Uh, how would the Lakers guard a Dame Giannis pick and roll with Chris Brooke and let's say Beasley on the wings? Do we blitz? It kind of seems unguardable. Uh I think right now your best bet is just like switch and squeeze everything in. I don't know why my camera keeps blurring out, so I apologize about that. But I, I feel like that's kind of your best shot is you just switch. Yeah. You might have to go two bigs in a, in a, in a lineup, though. To relax. So that way if you switch, you're not killed. And you still have some size on the floor. That might be your best shot. Because I don't know if you can really, if you can truly hedge. I don't know. That's tough. That that definitely presents a, an interesting problem. I, I don't ever really want to play drop against Dame. I, I honestly rather drop against Steph than Dame. I guess you can go that high drop, but Dame is just... Dame's a much... I don't want to say much because I don't want to disrespect Steph, but Dame's a better scorer than Steph. Like, just... Ball in his hands, go get a bucket. Dame's a better scorer than Steph. So, I don't know. That's tough. I don't want to think about that right now. Uh, a quick objective take on the Celtics. How we can probably match up with them. The Celtics are a team I'm more than comfortable playing drop with. Like, if you can force Jason Tatum in a shooting contested fadeaway mid-range jumpers, yes, please. Same with Jalen Brown. Same with Drew Holiday. Like, the Celtics, actually, I really like how we match up with the Celtics. I really, really do. The pick-and-pop game could be interesting with Chris Stops, and I guess that will add an interesting dimension to their offense, which could also, you know, put a wrinkle into how you want to play drop against them, right? Maybe you switch with the Celtics, too. But uh, it's super interesting, and we're in a very, very good spot. Very, very good spot. And... You know we're in a good spot because I was able to go on for an hour to talk about Lakers 
scouting or X's and O's. I have a scouting, but X's and O's talking about what the scheme might look like heading into next season. Lakers Asia. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. This is a ton of fun. We're going to have a ton of fun this season. Uh, so thank you all so, so much for sticking with me. And uh, again, stay in the know. Make sure you guys turn on those post notification bells. We're going to have a very busy day here on the channel with media day, and a whole lot of other stuff. Make sure you guys tune into the live show tonight. Um, preseason basketball is Saturday. We're right there, folks. It's insane how close we are to some preseason NBA basketball. But thank you all so, so much for tuning in. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.